Hello and welcome aboard another edition of the Galan Says Podcast, available to you wherever you get your podcasts, on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, tell a friend, spread the word, much like word was spread across the Scottish countryside that William Wallace was still alive after he'd been betrayed the first time by those Scottish nobles who wanted to kiss the ring of those limey bastards and longshanks, the English, persecuting people for thousands of years and yet having the gall to act like the United States of America isn't the best country in the world. USA, USA. Paul, you're really hyper today. That is true. Five star ratings, please. And a nice little review like this one. Tell the truth, Gallant, writes Adonis. D, 1956, and a listener writes, love the episode after the Seahawks' second loss in a row. I fucking didn't. Paul tells it like it is. Well, thank you. Keep telling the truth. Well, here's the truth for this week's episode. The Seahawks, one and two, playing the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday are in timeout. I'm not talking about those fuckers. Sorry, I don't want to call them fuckers. They're actually nice guys, but all that stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever the case. We're going to talk about other things on this week's episode, and we got to start off talking about why I'm a, oh boy, a blood trader. Let's go. I was just kind of curious what Paul gets to say. You are definitely living in the hindsight world today, Paul. Are you kidding me? Paul Gillan, what the hell is wrong with you? Yes, I just called myself a blood trader. This is a very weird weekend for me. It's been a weird week, too. On, I think it was Thursday night, that was the first time, maybe it was Wednesday night, Wednesday going into Thursday, whatever the case, it was late, I'm at the airport, I am recording this from Boston this weekend, where, for those who don't know, I'm from. I grew up in Boston, I lived there until I was 14, my parents divorced, I moved with my mom to Florida, lived in Florida for high school, after that, went up to Syracuse for college, and then was in Texas for eight years before I came up to Seattle. So I'm in Boston. Wednesday night, I'm sitting at an airport bar. I'm drinking a glass of vino over ever so classily. And I'm watching the Seattle Mariners play. And all of a sudden, Jared Kelnick gets a two-run double. And that was the first moment where I sat back and I was like, fuck. I really wish I was doing a show tomorrow. So I could share in the excitement with you. Because, you know, this year, covering the Mariners has been so much fun. We didn't get to go to Peoria, Danny and I, earlier this year and talk with all of the guys who are a part of this organization the same way that we did going into the 2020 season. But in 2020, this was a scrappy baseball team. This year, they have just been an absolute delight. And it started with, honestly, quite the uphill battle where you have all those comments from Kevin Mather, who's essentially doing a boom-roasted session. Kevin Mather, for those who don't know, the former president of the Seattle Mariners business operations. Just talk shit about just about every single important Seattle Mariner. Called Marco Gonzalez boring. Did Kyle Seekers overpaid. He made some racially insensitive comments. Just all sorts of dumbassery. And he gets ousted eventually. But they go from that moment where you could see a team, a clubhouse, completely fall apart, lose faith in the people that are at the top of the food chain. And you've seen Scott Service help this team, this lineup, somehow get through all sorts of difficult moments of the year where they got absolutely ransacked by the San Diego Padres. Of course, the Kendall Graveman trade, where it seemed like the clubhouse was all depressed, <laughs> like they needed a counselor. They have somehow gotten to the point where, over the final weekend of the, se- of the series, excuse me, of the season, assuming they take care of business against the Los Angeles Angels and they get a little bit of help, 
we could be talking about the first playoff baseball team in Seattle in 20 years. Just thinking about that is so fucking cool. And for everybody who has been along for the ride, I really hope you're enjoying it. I'm not going to tell you how to sports fan. As someone who grew up in Boston, I am one of the most spoiled sports fans of all time. I have seen enough titles from teams that I have rooted for for the entirety of my life. Now, of course, I'm a spoiled jackass, and (laughs) I want more. You get a little bit. The greed never stops. You want to win every single year. Your standards for winning also, they change a little bit after the fact. But I really hope that you're enjoying this, unlike that random UW fan account that was like, oh, how can anybody be excited about this Mariners team? They're not going to win the World Series. Well, I mean, they have a chance to win the World Series, unlike UW having a chance to win the college football playoff. We'll see if they can win the Pac-12 North this time around, but I doubt it. Though I had a lot of fun going to the UW game this past Saturday. Paul, you are rambling. I know. Let me get back to the main point. It's been a lot of fun this year, but this weekend is weird because, as I said, I'm in Boston. I am going up to a wedding in New Hampshire this weekend, and I grew up a diehard Red Sox fan. I mean, I'm just thinking about all the great Red Sox players that I grew up watching. Nomar Garciaparra, Mo Vaughn, Pedro Martinez, who is my favorite baseball player ever. I think he's the greatest pitcher to ever have pitched. My own personal belief, and I obviously got to watch the guy firsthand. 2003, I moved down to Tampa, Florida. It's basically a Yankee hotbed, and they lose this series, the ALCS, in seven games in heartbreaking fashion. In 18 innings, I think Tim Wakefield gives up the the uh, go-ahead home run. Maybe it wasn't 18 innings. It felt like it was 18 innings, whatever the case. They, they lose that game, and I go into school the next day, and all these Yankee fan friends of mine at school, although they weren't really friends at this point. I just moved, and I was this mass hole, and I was like, yeah, the Patriots are better than the Bucs, who are the defending Super Bowl champions, which I was right about, by the way. Anyway, sorry, I'm rambling. That day, at school, the next day, I got in a fight with some random person um, uh, while we were watching our high school football team play. I was on the JV team who talked shit, who was a Yankees fan, and I remember I was wearing this Nomar Garcia Parra shirt, and he ripped it, and I mean, that was, for me, as a Red Sox fan, rock bottom. Next year, they win the World Series. Which was an incredible year. I remember halfway through the year, the Red Sox had this dramatic comeback uh, victory against the New York Yankees. I told my mom we made a $50 bet that the Red Sox were going to win the American League Championship Series. Obviously, what happens against New York happens. I remember telling my uncle when they were down three games to nothing in that series, being a jaded Red Sox fan at that point in time, that they were going to win the next three games, only to lose in Game 7 because that's just what the Red Sox do. That didn't happen. 2004, they win the championship. I'm in college. 2008, they win it again. I mean, I was a diehard Red Sox fan. But then 2011 happened, and I'm going to sound like a bandwagoner or perhaps a fair-weather fan here, but they collapsed down the stretch. They lose in 2011, and I stopped liking baseball as much in that year because I felt like the games took too long, and that Red Sox team became a little bit unlikable. Not David Ortiz, not Dustin Pedroia, not Terry Francona, who had helped as a manager win the Red Sox those first two World Series in 86 years, but... When the season goes down the drain and you got guys like John Lackey and, and, and Josh Beckett and these other guys who just were essentially, to me, dudes who looked like they would be eating fried chicken and drinking beer in the clubhouse, which I guess everyone does. Maybe. Maybe not. It was a bad look. I stopped liking the Red Sox the same afterwards. And in the years that followed, I learned that the Red Sox have a way about going about things. When somebody doesn't do things right for them, they smear the person on the way out of town. Take a look at any stories about Terry Francona right after the Red Sox fired him in 2011 after that epic collapse. They made it seem like 
a matter, uh, a series of events in, in Francona's personal life were the reason that the Red Sox fell apart down the stretch, which is just so fucking stupid. But that's what the Red Sox did. They put out there. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, it's not like the Red Sox made a statement about it. Well, they have their people that work in the Boston Globe and all the papers and stuff. And you saw all of this information come out. And to me, uh, starting to understand how the sports factory works, I realized, oh, well, the Red Sox are giving certain people this because they want this story to be out there. And they've continued to do this over time. And while I had a brief little period where I went back to the Red Sox in 2013, because, of course, the Boston Marathon bombing happened, there's a little bit of Boston nationalism, with which if you're from there, you get. If you're not from there, you're probably like, what's up with that? I, I can't really explain it. If you're from here, though, you are ridiculously overproud about the fact that you grew up here. You think it's like the center of the universe and it makes you tougher for some reason. Anyway, I know I'm rambling here. I got to this point, though, where in 2014, 2015, I started dating a girl who worked for the Houston Astros. And all of a sudden, the Astros have this great year in 2015. And it was really easy for me to jump on the Astros bandwagon and look back at the Red Sox and say, bye. I, 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 just, don't, I just don't love you guys anymore. Move up to Seattle. I start rooting for the Seattle Mariners. Anyway, it's 2021. And this weekend, I want the Red Sox to collapse. I want the Red Sox to lose the last three games of their season. I want the Mariners to win the last three games of their season. Or just win the necessary amount and the Red Sox to lose the necessary amount so that the Mariners can make the playoffs. Does this make me a blood traitor? And I gave you my explanation for why I'm not a Red Sox fan anymore. But I'm very curious about how you guys feel about loyalty as a sports fan, especially for somebody who has moved all over the country over the course of his life. I don't even know where the fuck I'm from anymore, to be perfectly honest. Boston? I I, I mean, I'm from there originally, but I haven't lived here full time for over half of my life. Florida? I love Florida. I like to tell people I'm from Florida whenever I'm talking about my athletic prowess because it does make me seem like I'm a lot more athletic than I actually am, but I was only there for like four or five years. Syracuse, New York, I'm not from there. I went to college there. Texas? I mean, I was there eight years. I do feel like it is the home that I never expected. I miss it dearly. I love Houston so much. But... I can't honestly tell somebody that I'm a Texan, right? You know, I was there. I have cowboy boots. That doesn't make me a Texan, though, right? <laughs> I can speak with the drawl, but I'm pretty sure everyone in Texas, when they hear that, they think to themselves, Paul, Jesus Christ, shut up. Don't do that again. <laughs> and I'm definitely not from Seattle, though I've tried to assimilate myself as best as I could over the last two years. Maybe I failed. Maybe that's why I didn't work out. I know, though, that I... I'm rooting for the Mariners this weekend. Like, there's no, there's no torn interest. I want the Mariners to win. I want the Red Sox to collapse. I don't even feel guilty about it. It's weird being up here and seeing all these people from Boston that I grew up around. There's something about this place where there's a lot of sarcasm and a lot of sass. And you don't really know where it comes from, but I was at a sandwich shop just yesterday. I ordered a sandwich, and I said, uh, no cheese on it. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, you want extra cheese, dude, huh? And I just laughed because I was like, oh, I, I, I miss this. I miss this about Boston and this greater area because that's, that's just about everybody here. There's like just a random level of sarcasm that gets thrown at you, and some people can handle it and other people can't. It's been such a long time for me that I forgot about it, but I miss it. But it hasn't made me feel any differently about the teams that I root for. And I'm one of these weird people that roots for the Patriots and the Celtics. 
But also, the Celtics, <laughs> the Mariners, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Lightning. I still root for the Houston Astros a little bit. I know. They're like my toxic ex. I can't get over them. I'm sorry, everybody that's from Seattle listening. I know the people from Houston listening right now are probably fist pumping, blah, blah, blah. It's weird. I, I, I don't. I don't 100% know where I'm from anymore. I feel like I should feel guilty about this because Boston, for whatever reason, and I've said it before, just a couple of moments ago, there is this weird sense of nationalism here that I, I, I really don't think exists in many other towns. And a lot of it has to do with the sport teams, sports teams here. That's why I'm in this industry. It's a weird spot to be in, I guess, but I don't feel weird. I'm rooting for the Mariners this weekend. Does that make me a blood traitor? Probably. Whatever. Go M's. What else was I going to talk about on this quickie edition of the Galant Says Podcast? And apologies that there's no video. I don't have the technical ability to record video right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is going to be Boston-centric, so apologies to everybody. But I feel like I'm going through my parents' divorce again. I don't like it. In fact, I, I don't think I want to watch perhaps the most important non-Super Bowl Patriots game of my lifetime. Sunday night, Tom Brady, now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is going to be at Gillette Stadium playing against the team that I grew up rooting for. For those who don't know, and I can say this now because I'm not on, you know, <laughs> the Seahawks flagship station anymore, but Tom Brady is my Lord and Savior. You might snicker. You might think that's sacrilegious. It might be. I'll just say this. In my life, there has been no entity more constant than Tom Brady. I mean, there might be a man upstairs or a lady or something looking down and affecting things, but Tom Brady and his excellence and dominance from... Quite honestly, I, I would say that the, the second half of his first year as a starting quarterback with the New England Patriots, all the way to now 44 years old, still doing what he's been doing, now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's just been a constant dominant dominance, excellence. So I, I look at this guy as someone who, you know, in 2001, when he took over as a Patriots starting quarterback, that was one of the craziest years of my life. My parents split up uh, going into that year. My dad had cancer. He survived. He's been in remission uh, for, for 20 years. 9-11 uh, happened. It was just a lot of shit happened in that year. And I, I don't know how I got through it, but I'm pretty sure that the Patriots winning their first Super Bowl that year in this miraculous Cinderella fashion helped. Never since then, at least until last year, they have been this constant source of pride for me. And they have made me love football and all of these incredible things. And now, I don't know how to feel on Sunday. I only know that there's one way for me to leave Sunday feeling, I think, good. And it's if the Patriots and Bucks play a close game. But I don't think that's going to happen. And, and, and really, I don't know how to feel about it. And the worst part about this, and I said that I feel like I'm going through my parents' divorce again. 
For those who have been through something like that, you understand how it is. For those who haven't, imagine all of a sudden you see your parents as human. And imagine all of a sudden these humans are trying to give you their side of why things didn't work out. And you don't really give a shit. You just want things to go back to the way that they were before. I want Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to be back together. I'm not going to act like my parents have specifically done this, but my experience with this was every now and then they would complain about the other parent to me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to fucking hear this. You know, I want to think back about all the great times that I had growing up and, and not really think twice about it ever again. Just move on with my life. You know, that's what I want. And I would assume that deep down inside, that's what those two people want too. But they can't help it. And that's what you're seeing with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick over the last couple of days. Through their own courts, through their own camps, you've seen little tidbits get leaked out about how Tom Brady wanted to get a little more support from Bill Belichick. Or on the other side of things, how Bill Belichick actually had Tom Brady's back during the flake. You can look up all the shit. I don't even want to look up all the shit, to be perfectly honest. I've tried to bury my head in the sand this whole week. Like, I'm... I'm, I'm nervous about this game because I feel like there's a good chance that the Buccaneers are going to absolutely kick the Patriots' ass, and it's going to be weird, and, and there's also a chance that Tom Brady's not going to get the welcome that he deserves at Gillette Stadium, that Bill Belichick's going to talk to Robert Kraft and say, you know what, no, we, even, though, even though this is the greatest player to ever play football, ever, perhaps the greatest champion athlete that we will ever see in sports, they're going to perhaps act like he's just some other guy. I'm terrified that they won't recognize him the way that they properly can. I'm terrified that people, anyone, will boo him as he comes into the stadium as the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's nothing really outside of maybe a close game that the Patriots pull out in the end where Tom Brady plays well. That's the only thing I could see where I can walk away from this game Sunday night being happy. Otherwise, I feel like it's just going to be all of the toxic things that you see between two parties after a divorce. A lot of you are probably thinking to yourself right now, oh, boo fucking who, Paul? Oh, I'm a Patriots fan. It's so hard. It's so hard to watch the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest coach of all time go up against each other. It's so hard. And honestly, uh, you would be be 100% right to do that. But I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hate this. I hate the build-up to it. I hate that this game can only perhaps go one way that's going to make me happy. Every single other way, I'm going to be sad probably. I, I, I just feel like there's so much room for disaster. And I just want the thing to get fucking over with. I'll watch it. I'll be excited. I will be probably biting my fingernails for the entirety of the game. And I hope the Patriots win. I don't think they're going to. I think the Bucks are going to fucking kill them. I just hope I'm wrong. Oh, the stress. I'm stressed about a game. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been stressed about a game before. I feel like my old co-host in Houston, Mike Meltzer. I love you, Mike. You were constantly stressed about games, though. But this is this is a level that <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Oh, I know. Alcohol. That'll help. That's going to wrap up a quickie edition of the Galan Says Podcast. A rambling mess on brand. That's what we do best. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please leave a nice rating. A review. Roasts are encouraged. You can, of course, subscribe to this podcast on 
iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. We do have a YouTube channel. Normally, this episode would be also in video form. We appreciate the support. We will have an official launch soon. Very soon. Still getting some things ready to go. I want this thing to be as pretty as possible before I announce it to the entire world. I haven't done that yet. Probably not good, right? I think we're only, what, six, seven episodes in to the second go-round of this podcast. But I really appreciate y'all, seriously, and especially everybody who has been sending me well wishes over the last couple of weeks. Go Mariners! So long. Farewell. And you'll hear from me again next Tuesday.